This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by the one and only member of the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame, the proprietor of BazookaTraining.com, Bazooka Joe Valtellini. How are you, Joe? A lot of stressful things going on in life right now with uh, some fighters fighting this weekend, but uh, trying to stay relaxed, trying to hope for the best, and things work out. So a little stressful, but uh, ready to talk some fights. Who's on the docket for this weekend? Uh, we have Ariel Zuniga for BTC Fighting. So okay. I just, uh, those who know Ontario and Canada, we are not very good with things in general, but uh, medicals for fights and getting that stuff is one of the worst. So um, issues. Yeah, well, hopefully that gets sorted out. Uh, they have their show Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, going head to head with the UFC event. Otherwise, I would have loved to attend. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's exciting. I'm just happy to see uh, some local stuff happening here. It's the the only show we have here, basically in Ontario. But uh, hopefully, with things opening up, there's more opportunities. And that's been the biggest downfall. Even with me and my career, there's there's nothing in Canada. There's nothing in Ontario. Um, they love locking us down, and they love not getting us to fight. So. Not the best place for us fighters. Well, it's it's March now, Joe, so it seems those days are starting to be behind us. A lot of the restrictions so. have been lifted. Yes. I hope so. You've been more positive than me, so let's see. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I am an optimist, so hopefully it, uh, it all gets better, and hopefully a lot of the different things that are going on in this world right now uh, you know, get a little bit better. We're uh, going through some, seems like, tough thing after tough thing. You know, I interviewed Dana White this week, and he said, you know, just when you think everything, this COVID thing is behind us, which it really is not. I mean, it's, it seems like the numbers are still very high, <laughs> all things considered. Uh, and then, of course, you've got what's going on in, uh, in Europe. So hopefully, uh, hopefully a lot of that stuff starts to get better. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, since the start of the pandemic to now, what makes life a little bit better? Fights on Saturday night. So it kind of gives a little cheer to my, uh, gives me something to look forward to. So that's what uh, the UFC has been to me. So I'm sure it's been that to a lot of people. Uh, before we look forward, let's look backwards to this past Saturday. Islam Makhachev defeats Bobby Green in his typical dominant fashion. And uh, I put out a tweet, and I think people misconstrued it a little bit. I said that Bobby Green actually landed more significant strikes in a single round than any fighter that Makhachev has fought in the UFC uh, had previously. He landed nine significant strikes in the, the, in the first round. And that's more than any other fighter has landed against Makhachev in a single round. And what did, how did people take it? People thought I was giving Bobby Green props. Oh, okay. Which, I mean, <laughs> to an extent, sure. But I a mean, little bit, yeah. I think, I think it's pretty clear what I'm trying to, to get at, which is that Makhachev is dominant and people can't touch this guy. Yeah, I mean, if you don't put Makhachev on a, on a pedestal, then you can see it. But he deserves to be there. My big thing is, and the question is, you know, Bobby Green taking this fight last minute, does this really put... Islam in a title contention? Does this put him as, as the next contender? Well, from talking to Dana White and hearing him do various interviews, it seems like he wants to see the, the, the Dariush fight. But yeah. then again, like that's not Makhachev's fault, right? Like if, if Dariush gets injured, you still have to give Makhachev his due. This is 10 fights in a row that he's won in the toughest division in the sport, in lightweight, and he's cruised through everybody. Now, here's my big question. If you are going to have him fight the winner of Gaethje and Oliveira, how steep of a competition step up is that from what he's used to fighting. And I think that is the big question for me because you're seeing Makhachev now as a 4-1 to favorite against Oliveira, a 6-1 to favorite against Gaethje. Yeah, like, this guy hasn't fought anybody that's even close to the top five in the lightweight division, save for maybe Dan Hooker, who I, I don't know what he was ranked at the time, but he's not going to be in the rankings soon because he's moving down to featherweight. So 
if you look at the resume, there haven't been a lot of guys that are top five caliber lightweights that he's beaten. And yes, you have to look at how dominant his wins are. I always say that when you're looking at the talent of a fighter, the way that they beat people is just as important as who they're beating. Yeah, yeah. If you're going in and you're finishing the way he is, I see it. I mean, I think he's going to have his shot regardless if it's one more or the next one. But uh, it's just how fast they want to push him. And I think uh, once he gets there, I mean, it might be really hard to knock off that throw, man. That wrestling, that pressure. Um, the way people explained it was, uh, you know, Habib is a 11 out of 10 grappler where they said Islam's 10 out of 10 but got better striking. And I like that analogy being like, you know, Habib was that much better, and you know, with the experience. But Islam tends to have that little bit more comfort on the feet that could make him more well-rounded and a little bit more dangerous. Well, here's the thing, though. Is Habib that much better at, at grappling than Makhachev? Because I'm not, I'm not certain that he is. If you look at a lot of Habib's fights, it took him a while to get his opponent to the ground at times. It, it, he, you know, he'd have the, the takedown stuff. To me, it seems like Makhachev is a lot more opportunistic. He's very good with his timing. You know, Khabib used to do a lot of naked shots and try to just get a hold of his opponents and and bring them to the ground. Whereas Makhachev, because his striking is is quite good, is able to close that distance naturally and then utilize his his clinch, his takedowns, in a way that we didn't really see Khabib do. Yeah, I just think it's different entries. I call it. I think Khabib, the way he started his grappling was a little bit different. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I always see it as. Uh, because you got to think, like, even at my gym here, like, I'm the Habib, and I have all these Islams around me, the next, you know, big things. But they know the same amount as me. Their IQ's the same, but it's Papa, man. You ain't going to take Papa down. And I think Habib's Papa, and I think he's always going to have that little bit of the experience, the edge, the the feeling that he's – because you got to think, Islam's probably put – Habib has his, you know, someone he really looks up to and, and, and really kind of dedicated his life and modeled his life after. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Habib will always have the Papa gene and a uh, little advantage. And Habib has the O. I think that's really the big thing. Makhachev has yeah. a loss on his record. And, okay, yeah. And even though, you know, it's if you look at how dominant he is, he's been more dominant than Habib, in my opinion, if you look at the numbers. Yeah. He doesn't get hit. He takes guys down. He finishes them. He's always looking for finishes. He's got, I think, the same amount of finishes as Khabib does already. And he's only yeah. 30 years old. I'm laughing because when he said he had the O, I was like, yeah, for sure. You meant the O in the record. I thought the O in the OG, the original gangster. No, no. To the gangster. I was like, yeah. No, he's got the O on the his record. OG. Because if people are going to compare these two, there's no way that Makhachev is going to ever have that because he has yeah, the loss. Yeah, right? Yeah. So people are always going to bring that up. Um, Can you bring that loss up to me? What? Uh, how did it come? Oh, was it was it? in the UFC. It was against Adriano Martins, and he just got caught. He got caught in the first round with a big shot and went down and lost. Okay. You know, it was a yeah. knockout, early knockout. Um, and people are always going to hold that against him, even though he was, I think, probably 24 or something at the time. They're always going to say, oh, he's got a bad chin. You know, he didn't. He, he lost a fight in the UFC. Khabib was, was undefeated. You know, those kind yeah. of things are always going to come up when people are going to compare their two careers. I agree, and I think it's... What Habib did to be undefeated is very rare in mixed martial arts. I think, you know, everyone, the best always have losses in the sport. And I think that's why what Mayweather did, uh, what Habib did are just that much special. Because even though they took the risks, you know, like, I mean, they they had the experience, but they took the risk. And they were just that dominant. It just shows how good they were. That even though they fought the best in the world, they still came up on top. Never so, had a bad I mean, night. 
Yeah, never had a bad round, basically, Habib, even, mm-hmm. right? What did we lose? One round, they say, and that was so to Connor. I think two rounds. He lost the yeah. first round to Gaethje on two of the judges' scorecards. So, technically, he lost two rounds in his MMA career, his UFC yeah. career. Yeah, so, insane, right? Yeah. Always on. Yeah, so, I mean, and I and Makhachev is the same thing. Aside from his actual loss, I don't know how many rounds he's actually lost in his UFC career. I don't think it's any because, I mean, the guy barely gets touched. He barely gets hit. So aside from that one loss, I mean, you could say that he lost that round, but the round didn't, wasn't completed, right? So technically, he's never lost a round, but he's lost a fight. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you want to put it. You lose that round, I guess, if you lose the fight because yeah. that's a loss. Yeah. I almost see it. he needs, uh, like Habib had Connor. I think he needs a good dance partner to get him into that big stardom. I think he needs that that tension fight because he's so nice so calm i know his performance to speak for himself but what really took habib to the next level that made him that big superstar and i think at the end of the day it was connor so i think maybe now makashev needs uh that dance partner to take him to the next level when it comes to stardom right you know yeah. technically he's, he's there. just not as good at talking as habib was he's a very shy guy he's very reserved habib's not really shy Khabib is yeah. a pretty outspoken, outgoing guy who has a lot to say. Whereas Makhachev, I think he's kind of learning how to do that. You know, like I remember before, not this fight, but I think it was the Moises fight. Or uh, maybe it was the Dan Hooker fight. I was saying, you know, you got to say, you got to talk about it, you're going to smash people, you got to be more, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, okay, Same okay. location almost. He, he needs something. It, but he, uh, he just like, he lets it, him, his work speak for itself. And I think that that's important. Yeah, that's why I think him being himself is great, but it's the dance partner that, will build the hype like george st pierre some of big george st pierre's biggest fights were when he had the dance partner talking smash uh smack a little bit like the bispings and the made it you know you need someone like a bisping i want to say that gets a little bit more talkative and and gets a little trash talking i don't know just my opinion there and i think when you're nice and humble it's nice to have someone who's that extra other side of you to bring the fight out co-main event wellington Terman defeats Misha Serkinov. Serkinov was doing well until he wasn't. I mean, yeah. armbar out of nowhere stops him in, se- in milliseconds, it seemed. Like, that must have been on tight. Uh, like a, uh, what, what's that thing called? Uh, the club. You know the club on the car? On the steering wheel? Yeah. That's yeah, like, yeah. That was like the club. So he, uh, he had that in. Misha taps, and unfortunately, Misha's now lost four of his last five. And uh, I don't know if he's going to get another fight in the UFC. His fights are always exciting, so hopefully he does get another opportunity. But this was a tough one. Yeah, it is very tough to watch, seeing how good he was doing, knowing how good. I bet you 99 out of 100 times, no one's going to armbar Misha. Like, that is just such a freak thing to me. I think Misha just got too comfortable in the ground and pound. Didn't think Wellington would have pulled something off like that. I mean, it just happens. It's almost like me going into a fight and getting finished with low kicks. It's like, no, I do that to people. <laughs> you don't do that to me. You know that that's almost how I looked at it. Because Misha, at some point, had his neck was going for Darcy's like ground and pound smashing. He looked great. It's just one little slip up of of the mind and a loss of maybe a little focus, and boom, there you go. It was a minus exactly. eight hundred favorite at the end of the first round, right? So he had that fight mm-hmm. under control. And what was it with Wellington by submission? That must have been plus eight, five hundred, plus eight hundred. I don't no? know if it was that high because Wellington is a, as, is probably known for his grappling. That's probably his best path would have been submission. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I can go and look if you'd like, but uh, no, no, it's okay. This computer is often very slow in terms of me pulling stuff up, and I don't want to stall the show. We'll just keep rolling along. Keep Priscilla, rolling. <laughs> Priscilla Cashwara defeats Ji Yon Kim uh, by unanimous decision. A lot of people thought this was controversial. I, I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to fully absorb myself in it. I just kind of ended up having to watch the, the clips of it, but uh, it looked like a fun fight. But it looked like 
I think what the controversy it seemed was Kim was maybe landing, uh, is it more strikes? But uh, Priscilla was doing more of the kind of uh, the damaging. Damage. Yeah, yeah that's, I don't know. that's what wins you around. But who so. looked worse? Priscilla looked a lot worse at the end, no? Yeah, but again, it's kind of death by a thousand uh, paper cuts and... They, I mean, they, they took a, people were like, look at how bad she looks. And, and I'm like, you know, they're taking a picture together at the hospital, right? Which means that Jihan Kim is there. Like, yeah, Jihan yeah. Kim isn't, like, in the locker room being like, what happened? She's, she, yeah. she got, she got trans, transported also, right? So here's the thing. You look at the, the first two rounds, I think they're pretty... Uh, the first round was pretty close, but Cachuera, I think most people thought, won that. All three judges had it for Cachuera. Third round, clear Kim round. No debates here. The third round is Kim is, is cruising. For like the mm-hmm. first three and a half minutes, maybe first three minutes, and then Cachoeira is just like, well, in order for me to win this fight, I'm just going to absorb everything that she's throwing at me and just piece Keep her up going. with elbows. And she was just landing these these elbows in close over and over and over again. And if you're the judge and you're basing it on immediate damage, the most immediately damaging strikes, you give Pat- Priscilla Cash. I thought Cachoeira won the round. I'm I'm in the minority, but I'm also aligned with all three judges that gave it to her, which to me means that I'm reading the criteria the way it should be read. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, ever since we've had our conversations on the criteria, you should see me talking to all my fighters. I'm like, guys, start reading the, the, the language. Like, I'm honestly pushing on it now, kind of the way you've opened my eyes to understanding the MMA scoring a little bit more. It's like all of my guys, now, I'm like trying to explain it to them. It's, it's very important to, to understand the, the subtle details of the rules. Yeah, and if you're taken down, sure, try to get up. But if you can't get up, elbows, elbows. Do something. Yeah, punches, be active elbows. at least on your back. Do something, right. you know? That's how you yeah. win rounds. Yeah, and I mean, because I was trying to explain to them, like, you just sitting on top of somebody isn't going to win you the round. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you have to be doing something And even passing. Days. Passing doesn't win rounds either. You need to do something once you pass. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. No one knows. I'm telling you, most fighters think that just sitting in probably that top position is going to do enough for them. Yeah, and I think we're going to see a changing of the guards. A lot of these fighters that are known for just getting, like, Ilir Latifi is a good example, and he managed to get one over on Tanner Bozer when, when they had a decision, but he landed one significant strike in the first round. You know, he, when he fought Derek Lewis, a lot of people thought that he should have beat Derek Lewis, but he wasn't doing any work. He was laying on yeah. top of Derek Lewis, tiring him out, but he's not putting in not landing strikes because when he goes for strikes, he's worried the guy's going to scramble and get up. Exactly. But yeah. That shouldn't be what it's about, right? Because if you're controlling, you're not scoring. Yeah. I still think, honestly, a lot of judges don't know this. I'll be honest. Yeah. Too. A lot of them, when you look at some scorecards, it seems they like, and, and for example, Armin Petrosian versus Gregory Rodriguez on the same card. I think based on the criteria, I gave it to Rodriguez. I see why Petrosian got the scorecards. Like, I don't think, even the 30-27, people are like, oh, that's a terrible sport scorecard. Those were close, close rounds. And Petrosian, mm-hmm. if you're going to value leg kicks, if you're going to value um, work to the lower body, he was doing good work. Yeah. I still remember we had our conversation about uh, Giorgio Petrosian, the, the famous kickboxer, yeah. this being his brother. I come to the gym. I'm like, did you see Giorgio's brother in the UFC <laughs> fight? I was like, that's not him. I thought the same thing. So it wasn't just me. The, the whole kickboxing community still thought this was his brother. So well, it's not just me. It's, it's his Armenian brother, but not his blood brother. Yeah, that's so. it. Uh, speaking of Armenian brother, Armand Sarukian with a yeah. big win over Joel Alvarez. That was uh, uh, the Crimson Mask came out in the first round. And I thought they were going to stop it between rounds, but they let it go. And uh, Joel Alvarez just couldn't see. The blood just kept getting into his eyes. And Tsurukian gets a, a, a dominant win over a guy who was looking really good in the UFC. 
Yeah, and I think there's the ceiling's really high for Armin. The kid's good, strong, got the look. I uh, I really enjoy watching him fight, and I think he's kind of, you know, I would say very well-rounded to be able to do some good stuff. So I think he'll do well. I honestly think we'll uh, see him do really He kind of reminds me of uh, – not like look me, not really look wise, but almost like a a Brady. He's kind of quiet, yeah, like a Sean Brady. He's doing well. He's dominant. He's strong. I think we're gonna see some good stuff out of him. I do too, and his striking is very good. He's not one of these guys that just relies on his grappling. Um, and he was actually offered the fight with Makhachev uh, as the headliner to to step in yeah. instead of Bobby Green. And he's and I think he very wisely said, I can't take a fight like that on like a week's notice. Uh, like no, I can't. I no. didn't train properly for it. And he's young in his career. He's trying to make the right moves. He actually fought Makhachev in his first UFC fight on short notice. Um, hmm. And probably did as well against Makhachev as anybody, aside from the guy who beat him in yeah. that fight. It looked very good, all things considered. But, yeah, Sarukian, I think he knows he's young. He knows that he can get there slowly but surely. And I think that that's the right approach for him. Yeah, I like it. Why, why rush those? You got a contract. I know you want to help the UFC, but that's the move. Say no to those big fights. Then what? Something happens and you're derailed or, you know, like, just no. Dude, you're right. You're right on your path. You created what your, your journey. Go for it. Ignacio Bahamondes defeats uh, Zhu Rong in the third round. A good night for TSN Edge. I had Bahamondes round three at plus 1,000. So uh, a little pat on the back there for uh, there you go. the TSN Edge picks. Uh, very good across the board for the most part. And, uh, yeah, he looked very good. Uh, Rongju, just, uh, this guy's young. He keeps missing weight, though, and that's going to be a 21, problem. 21, eh? Yeah, 21. He's born in, in the 2000s. That's insane. Makes Baby. old. Yeah. Because I, I remember on the show uh, last week, I was like, Bahamandas, what a kid. He's only 23, 24 years old. I didn't know his opponent was 21, you know? Like, insane. Yeah. These young kids are confident doing what they're doing at 21. I was at Rob Zombie concerts while Rongju was in diapers. Yeah, that's insane. I still think now, you know, you're getting old when you hear 2,000 babies oh, are yeah. adults, you know, that's... Well, a lot of these fighters are closer in age to my son than they are to me. That's kind of my... Ta- that's like my that's big That's what it is. That's, yeah. the one that, that's the one that hurts the most. <laughs> yeah, the problem is with me, I still feel good and young. And I look at them like, oh, I'll still beat you guys up. So to me, it's like, it's hard because I, I feel like I'm the older dog in the park, but I got the experience still. I still move better than these guys. Uh, anything else you want to touch on on this card? I thought Terrence McKinney looked phenomenal. He used his grappling. Uh, yeah. For as I am, his biggest weakness in MMA so far has been his grappling. So McKinney, even though I think he would have a, a pretty solid advantage on the feet, decided to take this down, get a finish. And uh, I can't believe he was the underdog in that fight. That was one-way traffic. Yeah, yeah. I ended up getting him on. Uh, I picked him. I like Zam too, but I just think McKinney... Um, just seeing how aggressive he is, how he attacks the finishes, and I think he's got something special. I th- I'll be honest. I think he's going to have a little trouble as he gets a little bit higher up in the ranks, but uh, right now he's doing a fantastic job at these quick finishes. The problem is if he doesn't get you out in that first round, what happens, and then the further rounds. But uh, time will tell. He's young. He's motivated. He's got a good personality, good heart. And it seems like uh, we're doing good things with him. And he, he told me last time I interviewed him that he's sparring like eight rounds in the gym. Like because his cardio has been such an issue for him, mm-hmm. he's basically been training cardio. Because yeah. I mean, if you look at this guy's two best assets, he was like trying to—he was an Olympic hopeful in wrestling. And you look at, of course, his power. He's starching guys early in the first round. He's got the two best weapons you can have in yeah, MMA, yeah. right? Like his yeah. great wrestling and great power. And if he can get the cardio to where it needs to be, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah, it's always that balance between power and cardio, right? The Derek Lewis. You know, one shot you put you out, but if you can't land that one shot, then what? Like Connor's yeah, a Connor too. Of that. Yeah, big example, Connor. 
So, yeah, but he's young. He knows what he has to do, and he's doing it. So I'm excited to see him uh, grow up in the sport. UFC 272 this weekend. Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal main event. Co-main event, a new contestant has entered the game. Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Hanato Moicano. Another five-round fight oh, yeah? at 160-pound catchweight. So uh, interesting co-main event. I think that's an awesome fight. But let's, uh, let's start with the main event. Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. Covington, a big favorite. I think a rightfully big favorite. If, yeah. If you were going to be coaching Jorge Masvidal, how do you tell him? Like, what's the strategy here? Well, I just think the the problem of them knowing each other well kind of will slow things down, I think, automatically. So I right away think this is going to be an over of whatever it is. I don't think uh, Covington will be able to, I don't know, put that pressure on Masvidal. But I think for Jorge, it's more, if I'm coaching him, it's one, being patient. And two, it's just looking to land the... The, the, the big punches. I, I don't think it's a, a matter of trying to clinch. I think it's I would use probing strikes to keep Kobe at bay. And then when the time comes, catch him coming in. Yeah, I think timing is going to be everything. And I think against Ben Askren, I thought that his strategy was great. But I don't think Kobe Covington is as wrestling reliant as Ben Askren is. Like Ben Askren needs his wrestling to win fights. I yeah. think Kobe Covington is going to use his wrestling here. But I don't think he's going to default to it, if you, know, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, I just don't think he he knows he doesn't really want to sit in that mid-range pocket with Jorge. So I think you'll see maybe quick strikes to takedowns, try to use the, the cage well to his advantage. But that's where Masvidal is good at, fainting, staying on the outside, moving around. And then when the opportunities come, his timing is fantastic. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a close one. But again, I, I do agree with uh, Kobe being the f- bigger favorite here. I took fight doesn't go to a decision. Uh, at even money. I think that there's going to be a finish in this one. Yeah. I just think there's a little bit more respect than it presents. And with that, the old friendship, them knowing each other, I think it'll be patient. But I hope I hope they go scrap it out. You know, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I mean, I think that if Masvidal wins, it's going to be inside the distance. And I think that if it's going to go to a decision, Covington almost certainly is going to win. But yeah. I also think that Covington yeah. is going to want to make a statement here. Like, if he wants to get back into title contention, I, I know he's already the number one contender, but he's lost twice to Usman. He needs to make a statement in all of these fights, and I think that that's what he's going to be looking to do. I think he, I think you might see a submission here from Colby Covington, maybe ground okay. and pound. Like I think that he's going to be very motivated to find a finisher. Yeah, I can see ground and pound finishing, but yeah, if Colby, if it goes to decision, I it's Colby all day, mm-hmm. you know. But if uh, if it goes inside, I think uh, Masvidal would have caught him. But I think Colby's a little too smart for that. It'll be a patient, in my opinion, patient fight. But uh, Colby gets it done. Well, you can get Masvidal at plus 160 scorecards equal no action. So if you think it's going to go, like, if you don't think that Covington has a shot of finishing him, you may as well take that. I mean, and just hope mm-hmm. that, you know, that if, if Jorge, Jorge's going to need a stoppage, he's probably not going to win a decision. You lose a yeah. dollar on the, uh, the underdog price, but at the same time, you get your money back if it goes to a decision. That's not a bad one. But personally, I think that Covington has a shot of finishing this fight, so I would yeah. stay away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, co-main event. Renato Moicano is a plus-150 underdog against Rafael Dos Anjos. So I spoke to uh, Moicano's manager, Oren Hodak, from KO Reps, and he basically said that it was either on Sunday or Monday, Moicano left Florida to fly to Brazil to visit family. So he was on a 13-hour flight to Brazil from Florida. Finds out that Fiziev has COVID and can no longer compete in the co-main event. Tells his, rep, his manager, you know, I want to take the fight. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. I think Islam Makhachev threw his name in the hat. I don't know how serious of an overture that actually was. They decide to go with Moicano. Moicano, last night at 9 p.m., 
hops on a plane from Brazil, two stopovers, 15-hour flight to get to Vegas. I mean, that's a lot of travel. But, man, I mean, the the lengths that these people will go to to take a short-notice fight against Rafael dos Anjos, I mean... You yeah. gotta you gotta applaud the guy. That's uh, that's pretty pretty big risk to do that what, on a full camp Dos Anjos, especially after Mikano fought recently. And and to come in at plus one fifty and and I don't know to get RDA at minus one seventy. That's maybe the good bet there. I know. I'm know? thinking the same thing. Put him thing. as a parlay somewhere. I also think this fight doesn't go to go the distance. The uh, the odds for fight doesn't go to decisions plus one twenty. Uh, I like those odds. I think that. I don't think that Mikano is going to have five rounds of cardio after all this stuff, like having to cut weight, having to travel yeah. all the like. And his fight was what? Uh, two weeks ago. His fight was two or three, something like that. Recently, in the last month. Yeah. Um, and if this is a five-round fight, I don't know why they accepted that term that they, they want to keep it. But you got to think, fight. after his fight, he at least took a week off. You know, easily one week off. Then apparently, if he's getting ready to travel, he's eating well. Like, there's too many different variables. I don't like the. It's tough in. You take big fights like this, but uh, at the end of the day, I just think too many uh, variables stacked against him. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm interested to see what a Dos Anjos inside the distance line is once it opens up. But uh, Mokano's really good, right? So it's it's hard to go with that. But I think just all the fact. I think this would be the line if the fight wasn't short notice. Like I think mm-hmm. that if if this is a fight that's planned, you you might see a little bit of a closer line, maybe minus 160 plus 140, but not much. So that's why I think that I, I, I'm on the same page as you. I think that it's favorite or pass in this situation because there's not enough value. What did you, who did you have winning the Fiziev RDA fight? Oh, I don't really know. Because I didn't agree with those odds when I first saw them. Yeah, I would have taken RDA as an underdog in that fight. Yeah, plus 210, I think I was seeing him at. Well, because it was a five-round fight. I think that if that fight got into deep waters, we, we've seen Fiziev slow down in the third round. I think that that would have been the way to look at it is you, yeah. I would have probably taken an RDA round four, RDA round five, like props also to win in yeah. round four, round five. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know at this point in time, it might be yeah, scheduled yeah. at some point, but that's kind of how I was thinking was that if Dos Angeles was able to, to survive the first two, three rounds, he'd be able to wear him out as the fight grew on. But uh, yeah. obviously that fight's no longer happening. Yeah. Do you think RDA is still the threat that we know him as? Yeah, I think I, so. If, if like the RDA that fought, fought as much. Paul Felder looked as good as ever. Yeah, but I, the, the, the the criticism is a, a last-minute Paul Felder. He didn't fight all last year. Mm-hmm. So, again, yeah, all hopefully he's healthy, he's getting older, but uh, I still think you got to put a lot of respect on his name when he's on the card. We'll find out in a couple days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Oliveira, an underdog against Kevin Holland, who's moving to 170 pounds. Spoke to Holland yesterday. Seems like he's in good spirits. Basically said that the only thing you really have to change about his diet was like just not eating junk food. He says he like loves fast food, <laughs> loves burgers, loves wings. And he says he's still eating burgers, but he's eating like grass-fed beef. Like he's got a whole plan from Icon Fitness or whatever it's called. Okay. And he says that his weight management has been totally fine. He's uh he he seems to think that he's going to basically go back to 185 after this and try to take short notice fights like whenever there's a big fight available. It seems like he's a, he's a smart guy in terms of how you can maximize your time in this space like if you're in mma and you think maybe i could be a champion but i think that i you know it's probably more beneficial for me to just take more fights and get you more money make, that yeah, way like, yeah. look at cowboy cerrone like how much money he's made on bonuses and off of fight he's probably made more than most of the champions in ufc history yeah no it's a it's a different approach you just one you have to love fighting you know you have to and love Holland fighting does. like yeah but uh, yeah, he does. But I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I guarantee more than three quarters of the card, they pretend to like fighting. 
Like, you know, it's not, as, it's not as pleasant as people think. An eight-week camp, banged up, cutting weight, the stress, the anxiety. Winning is fantastic. But now lose three, four in a row. Tell me how much you like to train and get up in the bed in the morning, you know? It's different. Yeah, yeah very much so. Uh, Sergey Spivak's a minus 200 favorite against Greg Hardy. To me, I think you take the Spivak submission line if you're going to take this fight at all. Plus 300 Spivak submission. I think that that is by far his most likely path to victory here. Yeah, I also see Greg Hardy being dangerous in the first round. I agree round. with you. I think so, that, that he's a, like, if you're going straight money line, that's a dog or pass. I think Hardy can, yes. can finish Spivak. But Spivak's a good fighter, man. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I think Greg Hardy fights hard. He's confident. He does this thing. He's always in there. He's huge. So I think uh, sprinkling a little bit on him, getting the finish is, is worth it. We do have to remember that Spivak fought Taitu Ivasa, survived around with him, submitted him in the second like, I think that's probably the more likely way that this fight goes is you get a Spivak submission. submission. I wonder, what does Spivak right. wins in round one pay, plus 240? I think I'd rather take the submission prop, plus 300 Spivak submission. I might add that on fight night. I think that's the, the odds on that are pretty good. I like it. I'll join you. All right. Jalen Turner, the tarantula, minus 155. Jamie Malarkey, plus 135. I don't have a great read on this one. Uh, I'd be interested to see what the Turner submission line is because the guy's just got long limbs and Malarkey's going to be trying to take him down. It's plus 450 for Turner by submission. Maybe you parlay. What's a parlay of that and the Spivak submission pay? Let's see, see what back-to-back subs would pay on this card. A lot of people are picking Malarkey to get the win here. Yeah, I, I don't blame them to an extent. I think that that's a, a reasonable approach but to it. Jalen Turner, though, making lightweight is crazy. He's huge, you know? Yeah, yeah he's How tall huge. is he? He's got to be one of the tallest in the division. He's no? a massive guy. Jeez. 21 still... to 1 if you parlay the Turner submission and Spivak submission. Eh, right. Maybe. Might be worth a dart. Yeah. Hey. I think those are you, both. You hit that plus 1,000. What did you hit last yeah, week? Yeah, plus What'd 1,000 on Bahamundes round three. Boom. That might be my dart throw. Just parlaying those two things at plus 2,100. Not bad. Not bad at all. Marina Rodriguez minus 255. Jan Shaunan plus 205. Rodriguez uh, all day. here. I like Marina Rodriguez by yep. de- by decision. It's like plus a hundred or plus one ten. Like, I think yeah. she's gonna win a decision if she wins, and yep. you may as well just take that value. Yep, stack the house on that one. I like that. All right, uh, that was one of my TSN edge picks. Actually, was Rodriguez by uh, by, decision. by decision. I like a lot of underdogs that are coming up. By the way, so let's uh, let's keep going through this. I'm gonna give you some dog recommendations for this card. Uh, Kennedy and Zechukwu minus one forty five. Nick Negumarianu plus one twenty five. Nigga Mariano's looked really good so far in his UFC tenure. I think this is a dogger path, but I'm not touching this one. Yeah, I don't know enough about them to make a play. Oh, well, let's move on. This is the uh, the the light version of Covington versus uh, Masvidal. You've got Maria Agapova versus Marina Moroz. Do you know the background story here? I do not. Okay, so but they... I know they're I know uh, Moroz does train at ATT as well. Yeah, they both or used to. Yeah. They both okay. trained at ATT. Agapova right. was like basically an up-and-coming fighter, similar to Colby. They trained a lot together. And then Agapova says that when she got signed to the UFC, that Moroz kind of turned on her. And then Moroz did all kinds of interviews saying that Agapova was like addicted to, p- to pills and like, th- like lots of accusations about her like not paying coaches and all kinds of wacky stuff. <laughs> exactly um, so, the same. <laughs> so that, yeah, so there's like a lot of bad blood here. Like they trained together for like a full year apparently. And were like, you know, they were training partners, friends. Gym friends, not not like Colby Covington and Myers Vidal living together friends, but that's why this is kind of like the light version of the main event. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like beef to fights now, especially if I don't know who you are. Give me some beef behind it, and then I'm in. 
Yeah, so I like Agapova here at minus 190. In fact, Agapova inside the distance, or Agapova by KO is plus 400. I don't mind that much either, but uh, we'll have to see how this one goes. I'm not touching it. I just It's kind of a volatile fight. And Marina Moroz, unfortunately, um, you know, she's from the Ukraine and has to deal with all of that this week right. as well. Extra um, things on her mind. Fight. Yeah, just extra buildup. So we'll see. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov. The first of two Khabib coached fighters, minus 675 against Brian Kelleher, plus 475. Yeah, that's a that's a big big number to pay. Uh, if you if you like Umar Nurmagomedov, you're probably looking for um, for props, and uh, the decision prop is plus 100 inside the distance, plus 120. Pick your poison, I guess, if you think he's yeah. going to win this fight. But Kelleher's got to be one of the more active fighters in the last year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He has been, he's and he's a very good fighter. He's but doing it. It seems he's like great. Kelleher, once he gets to a certain level, he's had a lot of problems crossing that threshold. So, I mean, yes. if, he, if he can beat Umar Nurmagomedov, I mean, that would be a massive uh, stripe on his belt. Yeah, no, for sure. Just he's doing that volume approach, getting his fights, earning his stripes. It seems like he's on every single card. I like it. The next Khabib trained fighter, Tagir Ulanbekov, minus 255. Tim Elliott, plus 205. I like the Elliott side here. I think there's a lot of value on Tim Elliott. If you watch yeah. Ulanbekov's last fight against Alan Nascimento, Ulanbekov was taking him down, but Nascimento was throwing up submissions, keeping busy. A lot of people thought Nascimento won that fight um, based on the work that he did on the ground. Tim Elliott is one of the busiest guys in terms of inside mm-hmm. the cage. What he's, he's always working, always looking for things. I think that he's a more judge-friendly fighter in this situation. The, the fight's in Vegas. The judges are, are very much aligned with the scoring criteria. I think Tim Elliott, a plus 205 to win this fight, is very live. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think his that awkward MMA that he calls himself, it works. He, he's just weird style, and I think he's awkward for anyone. He can deal with wrestling very well, and I agree. If it uh, sprinkle some on him, it wouldn't be a bad bet. And James Krause, top student basically as well, like and good friend. So, yeah, I like Tim Elliott as well. Devontae Smith, minus 155. Uh, new uh, short-notice opponent, Ludovic Klein, plus 135. Klein fighting up a division for this one. But I like Klein here. I think as an underdog, you're getting good value on Ludovic Klein. I think if Devontae Smith can't get a first-round finish in this one, Klein's going to be very alive in the second and third round. Uh, Klein did not look good in his last fight um, against um, Nate Landwehr. But I think in this fight, it's a better matchup for him. And I think that uh, you're getting a good price on him here. And he seems pretty experienced, too, you know? So yeah, yeah it was one we'll of the see. top prospects in the world when he signed with the UFC out of uh, out of the Czech Republic. I think that we're going to see good things from him. I just thought his last fight was was kind of a hiccup, and we'll see if he can bounce back from that. And then uh, the final dog I like on this card: Dustin Jacoby minus one ninety, Mikhail Olegzechuk plus one sixty. I like the Olegzechuk yeah. side here. I think that's great value. Yeah, I like Olegzechuk. Uh, the odds could be great. I don't care what they are, but Jacoby's my boy. Sorry, yeah, I can't. I, I figured I can't. you were gonna say that. Whatever you want to say, cool. But no, I I gotta ride with my kickboxers and my boys. I fought on the same card in Glory Nine, Glory. I fought in Japan with Jacoby. I can't go against Jacoby, so I, uh, I always gotta ride and die with those guys. Yeah. But uh, no, I uh, his opponent was the one that. Uh, I was ranting about last time too, wasn't he? He took the fight small on uh, last notice, up a weight. Oh, well, Zaychuk? No, I don't think so. I think you got. Some, I think you're thinking of somebody different. Wasn't there some kid who was like a, he fought on heavyweight when he first came in? I'm not thinking of uh, I'm confusing my own self, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, his opponent's last fight, I was really speaking highly of him. Who Olazechuk's opponent? Olaz. No, Olazechuk. His last fight, I was remember speaking very highly. I'm like, oh, I love this kid. He's good. He just comes forward. He's not intimidated. Yeah, he was against Shamil Gamzatov last time. 
Oh, I wouldn't remember. Yeah. I just remembered how that's, good that's what he Olenzeg did. Just like he's a pressure fighter, comes forward, yeah. throws lots so, of punches. Very, very busy. Good chin. Undersized too. No, isn't he a very undersized? Always fighting. Very up. undersized yeah. for two hundred five. Yeah. So I he's uh, I liked his style in his last fight. He was I think he was an underdog. His last fight ended up getting it done. And, he has an edge pick, baby. Yeah. Is that the, for the last fight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oleg Zaychuk, oh, yeah. inside the distance, I took for a TSN edge pick. I think he, I think he won inside the distance. It was like plus two. I think so. Yeah, I was, I was really impressed yeah. with him. But uh, yeah, sorry, buddy, you gotta go against my boy. All right. Well, last thing I want to talk about is Cain uh, Velasquez was uh, arrested for attempted murder, um, yeah. charged with attempted murder, and more to the story has come out that he was pursuing. Uh, it's a tough story to talk about, but he was pursuing somebody who had allegedly sexually abused someone in his family, like a relative yeah. of his. Um, yeah. and I don't know, man, like it's a, it's a tough story for that reason, because like you obviously, I'm somebody who has a daughter and, uh, and, and two sons and, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine if, if, I don't know if it's his kid, they, they can't put that out there from a, uh, you know, yeah, they said relative yeah, because it's a minor, they can't disclose. But, um, if somebody did something like that to someone in my family, I'd probably be seeing red as well. But, yeah, uh, that's exactly the point. But that being said, it's like, I, I don't want to question the guy's decision making, but like if somebody's done harm to your family, it's more harmful for you to do something like that and then possibly have to be in jail for a long time and not be with your family. Like you're not, you're yeah, not, yeah, yeah. You're not helping the situation by, by doing something along those lines and you, you've got to let the law deal with it. But uh, that being said, like I think we all kind of empathize with his situation if, if you know. Yeah. If, if that's the way you, you want to put John, it. I think you said it perfectly correct because I can give you my on-air answer and I can tell you if that was my niece or my daughter what I would do off-air. So I can give you two answers, but uh, they're going to be different. And I think a lot of people would agree with the way Cain Velasquez took the approach. You know, like, um, like I said, I don't have a kid, uh, but I look at my nieces just like my own kids and it's traumatizing. It's It's very... I don't even know how to react. Like I, I'm trying to not say what I would actually do. So I mean, I mean you what, might be, he might be able to plead temporary insanity. Like I mean, it's one of those situations. You know, something. And know. I'm sure he's in. A, in like I was discussing with some of my uh, MMA fighters here, and I'm pretty sure he's he lives in California. California, you're allowed to carry, aren't you? Concealed Is carry. San Jose, I I think so. But I mean, he shot at somebody. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm in some places like Houston, you see it a little bit more because there's, I have a concealed carry maybe. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's bringing illegal guns and shooting somebody. He's probably, you know, it's part of the community there. And a lot of times in the U S so I don't know, still doesn't mean, you know, that it was the right approach, but I don't necessarily disagree with what he did. That's my answer there. Well, I mean, without getting into, again, I don't think that a lot of people, um, are siding with the other side. I'll say that, but I mean, at, at the same time, I think, like I said, when you make a decision like that, you're putting your family further at risk by not being there for them if something goes awry, right? So, I don't know. Yeah. It's a it's a terrible story. And when I heard it was Cain Velasquez that got arrested on that kind of a charge, it blew my mind because Cain is like the from meeting Cain on several occasions, he's like the friendliest, yeah. most soft spoken guy. He's got such um, a, a reputation of being so respected and, and also very calm. Like this isn't the guy that that you know has a hot temper, and he's always been very very mm. quiet. Right. Like, so listen, things like that don't necessarily surprise me. You know, you just in any situation, really, I'm, I'm not surprised by much these days. But when I saw that that was the charge and that was who it was, I was like, yeah. something's up here because I don't know. And uh, hopefully 
it all gets sorted out. But I mean, it's just a terrible situation. Yeah, I even saw the way I found out about it was I saw some UFC fighters putting free Cain Velasquez, you know, and I was like, what is what happened? You know, and then I investigated the story. So it seems like uh, the MMA community is standing behind him, at least in some points. Yeah, and I think people are standing behind him based on the, the circumstances. But at the same time, again, like I keep saying, you got to make better decisions if in life in those, you know, I understand if you're seeing red and like it's hard to. Uh, rationalize that kind of a thing, but it's just I don't want Kane's family to be further hurt yes, by yes. his actions. Like he he needs to be there for his family at a time mm. like that, not do that. In my yeah. opinion, and again, yeah. I I'm not going through what he's has gone through and his family has gone through, so it's easy for me to say from yeah. here. It's probably easier for him to sleep, and it's going to sound crazy. What he did makes him sleep easier at night rather than if he didn't do something. You know, maybe. Again, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to speculate too much on, on, on that because it's all an ongoing situation. Well, I can tell you, I grew up with anger management, and even from when I was a young kid, if there was confrontation in a fight and I didn't get to fight back or get to settle it in a way I was content with, I'd go home and be upset for months. Like I didn't get to hurt him, you know. Like I wanted to hurt him more, and it would literally drive me insane for months that I, I didn't get to like physically hurt that person who was insulting me, or maybe they got the better shot in the soccer fight. I was like, next time I see him, I'm gonna get it. It could be months, two years. So that's kind of like the fighter's mentality. Sometimes it's not the right way, but it eats you up inside when you don't get to get that person back. Yeah, but again, I think it's like. So. It's more for the legal system to take care of at that point in time. He's been charged. It's not like he was given a free pass. Like, the guy has charges looming. So, yeah. But, again, I'm not in his shoes, and it's easy for me to say from here. So, hopefully it gets sorted out and uh, in, a, yeah. in a way that is, you know, not harmful. I, I guess for lack of a better way of putting it. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's it, I guess. Uh, I don't know if there's anything we can say to end on a uh, on a lighter note. We've got Uncle well, I versus... could say something. Sure. You missed one of the most exciting fights that I'm looking forward to. From this week's card? You missed the, basically the co-main event. Which? Bryce Mitchell. Oh, I did. I skipped over Bryce Mitchell and Edson Barboza. Get... Yeah, that was one of the... I was waiting. I was like, okay, let's finish this topic. I was like, that was the one I'm probably most excited about. All right, yeah, let's talk about it because I have, a, I have a TSN Edge pick on it, and I, I don't know why I could yeah, right. Because I'm looking at, at uh, best fight odds, and it went from... It was Covington Masvidal, Mitchell Barboza, then Dos Anjos Moicano, and I skipped it because I wanted to get to the co-main event and do it in the right order. But yeah, I digress. Yeah. I'll give you the All floor. Right. What do you think of this one? Because I don't know. That's why I'm kind of curious on your pick. I uh, I I kind of don't think they're uh given full respect um you know i, I they're, they're giving the the win to to sorry bryce mitchell but i don't think they're putting enough respect on barboza here i took edson i was gonna say a plus 140 i, I was like how do you kind of not take barboza in this one it's a three, but mitchell, it's a three round fight is his grappling mitchell's got like good bar- grappling but is his i mean his offensive wrestling looked great against andre feely so i mean if, yeah. if he can take barboza down he's gonna win this fight in my opinion like i think that but Barboza has shown good get-up skills. The only guys that have really been able to hold him down are Habib and Kevin Lee, right? Like, and I don't know, and this is, again, Barboza's up 45 now. I don't know if, if, if this fight's on the, the feet for a prolonged period of time, Barboza's going to win. It's basically, yeah. it's basically a pretty easy fight to pick. If it's on the feet, Barboza's going to win. If yeah. Mitchell's able to implement the grappling game plan successfully, he'll win. Yeah, Mitchell. Mitchell kind of looks at himself as the a Dagestani guy. He's like he looks like his grappling is this thing, you know. So he's confident in it. In his mind, it's when he takes Barboza down, you know. 
Yeah. But uh, Barboza, again, we adding the O to his name. He's the OG as well. Him and Oliveira, I still can't believe they do the damn thing. I mean, they're still, they're still doing amazing, sitting at the top of the division. I think guys like Barboza has basically done everything in the sport. Yeah. I I remember when Bryce Mitchell was on the uh, Ultimate Fighter. I saw him in Vegas. Like I think it was before his first UFC fight. And I was like, man, I'm really impressed with your skills. Um, I love I love how like Bryce Mitchell is my kind of fighter. He's very good with his offensive submissions, which I've always valued. Um, I always like that. But uh, his recent interview might have soured me on him. He's just like okay, I was just going to ask you that. I he's was just, just a wacko. Ask I mean, you that. listen to I'll go on someone's you, show. Some of the stuff he said's crazy, but some of it was is I believe in what he's saying in a crazy way. Well, but but listen, if 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 I booked an interview with you, Joe, and I said, okay, I've got Joe Valzlini on, and you were like, listen, we're not talking talk about, about fighting today. We're going to talk about politics. To be frank, yeah. I don't care what you think about politics, Joe. I don't care what Bryce Mitchell thinks no, about politics. I don't on care an what MMA, he either. On an MMA platform. Like, what are you doing? You're letting a guy get on a soapbox with a megaphone and, and just yell out his, like, yeah. his theories. And put Ariel in a poor, awkward position yeah, yeah, exactly. as well. Exactly. I, I, like, yeah, I'm guessing he reached out to Ariel and said, hey, I want to be on your show and talk about something. And Ariel was like, yeah, sure. And then when he gave him, like, he had him on and he's like, we're not going to talk about fighting. We're going to talk about... Like, Dude, it's an MMA show. Like, yeah. nobody cares about... And you have one of your biggest fights coming up. If like, I say I anything want... remotely political on Twitter, people jump all over me. Like, yeah. they don't want that in this space. They don't want people's theories. Like, yeah. Yeah. Every time LeBron know. James gave his opinion on twi- uh, on COVID, everybody ripped him. They're like, we don't want to hear LeBron James yeah. give his opinion Or his opinions on, on China or his opinions on any politics. Yeah, like they want... we just want to hear and, basketball. And listen, I believe that athletes should have a voice. Me too, but obviously. at the same time, to, like, pursue an outlet so that you can talk about your weird conspiracy theories, it's like... Dude, that's like that's not what this is about here. Like, go on a go on a conspiracy theory show and talk about it. Yeah, but like, people yeah. that are listening to the MMA hour aren't tuning in to hear people's political beliefs. Like, that's not. I don't. That's yeah. just my, yeah. my thought on like it. Like I said, crazy, but uh, he's not as crazy as most people think. I did agree with some of his stuff, but uh, he's a wild man, and I just think that's why, like, uh, like these characters in the sport, I think they bring something different, and it's it's all right. And again, you hey, know? he's entitled to his opinion or whatever, but like. Again, I just think that you need to, like, to use that kind, of, to use Ariel's show as a platform for that. I just yes, think it's that like, was the makes wrong no way sense. to do it. Yeah, but it's funny. I ended up actually sending some of his clips to him. Like, listen to this. Look how crazy he is. Yeah, it's just wild. And he has a rap album out. He's going on talking conspiracy and crazy talks, and he just lives on a farm. He gets his own chickens. He he's a he's a different character. And I think guys like him, the Kevin Hollins, the the weird people who are themselves it's it's different but yeah it's, it's uh, different can be good sometimes yeah i mean listen the sport's made up of very interesting characters for sure um i just thought that the, that like yeah. the way I that he went about, about it fight. doesn't make any I, sense i did fast forward the part uh, his part to be honest but i just wanted to hear him fight more about the fight because i'm really intrigued about this matchup yeah me too i think this is an awesome stylistic matchup and again i've always said like i love bryce mitchell's fighting style i i my favorite fighters are the ones that are that are always attacking submissions, like a like a guy like yeah, a Bryce Mitchell. Yeah. Oliveira is my favorite fighter to watch. Love yeah. watching him fight. The, like um, I was always a big fan of like Paul Sass. Do you remember Paul Sass? He would always he would always win fights by no, triangle. Yeah. He was a, he was a guy from the UK from England that fought like okay. probably ten years ago. He fought in the in the UFC in Bellator. I used to love Jimmy Hedis. Like these are the guys that I always gravitated towards because I just loved how creative they were. And Bryce Mitchell's one of those guys. He's incredibly creative in the cage. So and yeah. so is Edson Barboza. So um, I'm looking forward to that one as well. And you're leaning Barboza, you said right? Yeah, I, at, the, at the price. I, I would, if it was decision. even money, I'd probably 
hesitate a bit, but I think Barboza at plus 140 is just the, the, the value is too much to pass up. Yeah, I like it. All right, cool. Well, we'll recap it next week. We'll see if I'm correct on a lot of these big underdog plays that I've uh, just thrown yeah. out there. And uh, appreciate you, Joe. And we'll, good luck to uh, Ariel Zunika this weekend. And, uh, and uh, t- I know you'll be in his corner. Looking forward to seeing how that goes. Yeah, awesome. And then we have Mike Imperato coming up uh, in Florida the 18th of March. But I'll be in Belgium for glory, so I won't be able to be with him. But uh, keep an eye out for him because I think uh, hopefully he's Canada's next uh, signing to the UFC, hopefully soon. All right, Joe. Enjoy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. We'll recap UFC 272. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.